It's a privilege today to share as we're looking at the theme of the grace-filled life and the incredible means of grace of prayer. What a privilege, what a treasure we have to have a journey of life where we get to learn more and more about prayer, to talk to the living God, to hear from the living God, and in prayer to be transformed, to share in the heart and mind of Christ. And so today I want us to look together at prayer. And I find in my own um, journey that I love learning from the spiritual mothers and fathers in the scriptures. We can learn a lot about how to pray when we look at how the men and women of faith prayed. And so today I want to submit to you Elisha and his prayers. And so let's look together at this text that was read in 2 Kings chapter 6. If we were going to summarize this passage, we could talk about how this passage is about one man and an army. And who has the most power. But of course we learn as this story goes that this is not just about one man. This is about a man who represents God Almighty who has the most power. And so it's a great text that really is challenging for us. So can we set the scene of the story here? Let's think about uh, the first scene, the first paragraph. We have the enemy commander, the king of Syria. He's perturbed. He's perplexed because he's got this strategy, military strategy, and he's trying to make raids in his war on Israel. And every time he makes a secret strategic move, it gets foiled. And he calls in his commanders. He circles up for a little, a little powerhouse committee meeting and basically says to his officers, who's talking? What's up? Who is telling the king of Israel my secrets? And the officer says, uh, none of us. We're being loyal. It's not us. It's a prophet. It's a prophet in, in Israel who, who hears the words that you will whisper in your bedroom and alerts the king of Israel. So the the enemy uh, king does an interesting strategy next. He decides to send his army to go capture one man. Can't you just see the posters up around the area? Wanted. Elisha, dead or alive. And the army gets sent out in the night and they are to make camp surrounding where Elisha is staying so that in the morning they can go and capture him. And then the scene of the story transitions. You know, if we're watching a movie, we have a fade out, fade in. And now we get to see the attendant. The attendant of Elisha. Now there's not a lot said about this attendant. So let's just use our imagination a little bit. What would it have been like for an attendant to be that attendant working with Elisha? I I picture this attendant to be a young man to be uh, someone who's kind of new to the ministry, inexperienced, with a heart of gold, trying to follow and keep up with this prophet, Elisha. 
I'm imagining that this attendant recognizes that part of his role is to serve Elisha and to tend to some of the very practical needs that Elisha may have so that Elisha is freed up to do the work he's called to do. I imagine Elisha spent a lot of time in prayer and listening to God, and this attendant helped to free up Elisha. So in the morning, this paragraph picks up. In the morning, Elisha's attendant wakes up. Can you just see him kind of like rolling up his, his bed mat and doing the earthy things we all do in the morning time? You know, stretching, yawning, feeling some kinks in your back or cracking your neck. I, I can see him um, thinking, oh, let me walk towards the front and uh, see if the sun is rising and take in some fresh air. And, and I can picture this attendant like rubbing his eyes and like finding the eye matter from the night and rubbing it out. And <sighs> and all of a sudden this attendant sees a very troubling sight. The kind of sight that freaks him out. Have you ever been around someone who has had a panic attack? Or have you ever experienced a panic attack? I'm envisioning this attendant having one of those. Like, he goes out, minding his own business, stretching for the morning. He looks out the front door, and there are a bunch of bad guys with weapons. And I'm thinking he steps back, kind of clutching his chest as he, as he feels his heart start to race. And his heart starts beating out of his chest. And then he starts feeling as though he can't catch his breath, like his lungs are just not working right. And so he starts to hyperventilate. And then he starts to feel like the weight of the world is on his shoulders. And he just feels heavy, you know, like so heavy. Like his he needs to support himself with his arms. And he's just kind of hyperventilating just thinking about it. And I think at that moment he probably had one rational thought that came across his head. And that was this. I need to tell Elisha. So I can just see him kind of going back in to go find Elisha, having a difficult time even talking, like, Elisha, Elisha, army, what should we do? And here's Elisha, mature, seasoned in ministry, In that moment, he does a really pastoral thing here, a very compassionate moment. He takes time to encourage his attendant. Do you see that in the text? He takes time to just speak a word of encouragement, a word of witness into the attendant's life. Like he's raising this man up. And his words are this, do not be afraid. There are more with us than there are with them. 
But I'm still back at the attendant. Like, what would he have been thinking and feeling when he tried to hear Elisha's words with the knowledge that there was an enemy army outside his door? I'm thinking he's like kind of still hyperventilating and he's like processing. Do you ever have one of those conversations in your head that it's really loud? Like you're pretty sure you're not talking out loud, but it's like the processing is super loud inside your head. I'm thinking this attendant is having that kind of an experience. I also just imagine that the attendant maybe has trouble with some sarcasm in his mind at this moment. He's like, okay, Elisha's words. More with us than there are with them. More with us than there are with them. Let me think about this. Uh, I'm pretty good at math. All right, let me count. One, two. Let me count more than two. Elisha, are you crazy? I'm thinking that's what he's thinking. Elisha, really? More with us than there are with them. And then Elisha does the next thing. He not only speaks into his life, he then takes a pastoral care moment to pray. Isn't that fascinating? Here's this enemy army. He's just being told of the reality they're facing. And Elisha's praying for his attendant. I kind of picture Elisha just putting his hand on his young attendant's shoulder. And he prays this very simple prayer that's really profound and really bold. He says, Oh Lord, open his eyes that he may see. I'm thinking in that moment, Something came over the attendant, a a kind of peace, a kind of sensation. I'm picturing the attendant kind of rubbing his eyes again and looking. There are more with us than there are with them. And all of a sudden, he sees a new perspective. Come on, help me out here. He sees a new reality. He still sees that, that enemy army. I can kind of picture the enemy army kind of on the horizon, just up the hill. You know, assembling the troops in ranks, getting ready to march down. But then all of a sudden, this attendant sees another army. He sees like a a, a circle of fire, a ring around Elisha. So I almost picture enemy army, and in between Elijah and the enemy army, another army. And the scripture here gives us the clue that this is no ordinary second army. This is a heavenly army. This is an army that if you're not careful, you won't see with your naked eye. And and the reason we know we're clued to that is because the attendant begins to realize that the, the chariots are chariots of fire. Now that should clue us, the reader, in because uh, just a few chapters earlier in 2 Kings, we're reading about another chariot of fire. Do you remember? Another chariot of fire. It kind of picked somebody up and took them off to heaven. Elijah the prophet. So when we read about chariots of fire, we are clued in. The angel army has come. 
And so all of a sudden, the sarcastic attendant is going from, you know, the statistical likelihood that we're going to get a whooping to, oh, oh, okay, Elisha, we're good. I can almost imagine his posture shifts, you know, from this to like, like he's standing tall. Okay, Elisha, now I see. And then the screen, the story kind of screens away, moves away from the attendant and to this one man, Elisha, the prophet. Now, I know this is a quirky sense of imagination on my part, but I kind of picture uh, Elisha to kind of look like a Jedi Knight. Anybody else Star Wars fans out there? I'm kind of excited about the December movie coming out. Okay, focus, Nicole. Yes. But I'm kind of picturing like Elisha, like Obi-Wan Kenobi. And I think he kind of does a Jedi move. I think I'm kind of on safe ground here because it, it, it talks about in the text that, that Elisha walks out to the army. And as he's walking out, what is he doing? He's praying. How about that for strategy? He prays and he says, Lord, please strike them with blindness. And then I just picture Elisha kind of like, kind of like Obi-Wan did in an old movie when uh, Darth Vader's troops stopped him. And, and he kind of waved, Obi-Wan kind of waves his hands and says, these are not the droids you're looking for. Do you remember that scene? These are not the droids you're looking for. And something happens in the soldiers' minds, and they're like, oh, these aren't the droids we're looking for. But Elisha, what does he do? He says, this is not the way, and this is not the city. He goes out to the army and says, this is not the way, and this is not the city. Follow me, and I will lead you to the man you're looking for. (laughs) Elisha's the bomb. So this whole army is following prophet Elisha. And Elisha shrewdly marches this whole army into Samaria, right at the front door, if you will, to the king of Israel and his army. And then as he brings them into Samaria, he prays a third time. Lord, please open their eyes that they may see. So now, what would it have been like to be the soldier? I'm thinking they're feeling like the attendant did earlier. Because they, all of a sudden, the confusion is cleared away, and they realize they have been outmaneuvered, and there is the army of Israel with weapons pointed at them, and they're all of a sudden going, okay. I'm thinking that the soldiers are having a, a good old-fashioned Saul, King Saul. Remember when he went into the cave to relieve himself? I'm thinking the soldiers had one of those moments. Okay. So then you see the king of Israel come up to the prophet Elisha. Notice how this king... This king who has title, position, authority, prestige, 
a whole army under his command. This king of Israel is somehow recognizing at this point that this one man, Elisha, has a kind of power he needs to respect. And you see the king of Israel come up and say, okay, Elisha, you led them right here to me. What do you want me to do with them? Should I kill them, Father? Should I kill them? And I love how in this moment, notice how Elisha does not pray. He gives an answer. And I'm thinking about how Elisha shows that nuptial embrace that we talk about how we want here in Asbury. That that wed of head and heart where we know the character of God and we are so following after God that we share in the heart of God so that when it's time to make a moment of decision, we know the will of God. And what does Elisha say? Don't kill him. Feed them. Isn't that a New Testament moment? Don't we see the heart of God right there through Elisha? I mean, think about what Jesus said about enemies. Bless them. Blessed are the peacemakers. Pray for those who persecute you, right? Here is an instance where the king of Israel listens to the prophet Elisha and sets a whole feast for his enemies. And they eat well and they're sent home. And Elisha's been a peacemaker. What an incredible scriptural passage for us. What a gift. What a wonderful, faithful prophet in Elisha. What a great God we serve. What do these prayers of Elisha teach us about prayer? What do these prayers teach us about prayer? I think there's a lot of things that could be said about these very short three prayers of Elisha. But here's two things I really want to lift up. Elisha prays in such a way that he shows us that he is convinced that it is in God's nature to want to move with power. Elisha prays in such a way that he seems to understand that the character of God is such that he wants to move with power. Elisha seems to understand that it ain't no big thing for God to do miracles, signs, wonders, whatever he wants to do. Elisha seems to grow comfortable with that kind of seeing reality, that kind of seeing prayer. And so Elisha seems unafraid to pray short, big prayers. Do you see the boldness in Elisha? Here's the other thing about Elisha's prayers. He prays with this sense of authority. I mean, the scripture text each time, it talks about what he prays, and then the text makes sure to tell us that God answers his prayer, listens to Elisha's request, and does it. It kind of feels as though, like, who's working for who? And the secret of this is Elisha understands his assignment. Elisha understands that he's been given authority. Elisha understands that he was given a mantle. 
He was given a calling and he's been sent out to do God's will. And he operates in his prayer life with authority that God gives him. And he's unashamed, not embarrassed, confident, not arrogant, confident in his prayer life to pray with authority. Does Jesus say anything about authority? Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he's about to be arrested by a few little old soldiers, and they were going to swipe off, you know, the guy's ear, and Jesus said to his disciples, don't you know that I could at once appeal to my father, and at once they would send, God would send a legion of angels, legions of angels to my rescue. But Jesus says, but then how would the scriptures be fulfilled? Jesus seemed to understand his authority. You remember when Jesus sent out the 12, when he was commissioning them to send them out? What does he say to them? He says, I'm going to give you authority. What does he give them authority to do? To preach the gospel, to heal the sick, to cast out demons. There's some authority there, he gives his disciples. What does Jesus say after the cross, after death, resurrection, right before Jesus goes up and ascends back to the right hand of the Father? Jesus shows up on the scene and says this, All authority has been given to me. He doesn't say, God gave me a little bit of authority. Just a little bit. God doesn't say, God's given me some. Jesus says, God has given me All authority in heaven and on earth, therefore go. And he sends us. Well, what about the prayer we just had read, Ephesians? The Apostle Paul praying and reminding we the believers, we the believers that Jesus is at the right hand of God in all place of rule and authority and power and dominion. And he will reign in this age and in the age to come. And he's putting all things under his feet. Wow. That's authority. Do you know you serve? Do you know you serve Jesus who gives you authority? Amen. So I want to give us two prayer points today. Um, and I'm just praying that the Lord will speak to you if, if this is for you today. Uh, one prayer point from this text is, I believe there's some of us here today who are maybe struggling with fear, like the attendant. We are feeling like there are, is an enemy against us. It might not be an army, but there's other problems. And we're feeling overwhelmed. We're feeling overwhelmed with anxiety and fear. And we're feeling crippled. We're Christians, we're in Christ, but we are feeling beat up. And I just want to say to you, I think that this word Elisha gave in this text is a great prophetic word for you right here, right now. And that is what? Do not be afraid. There are more with you. There are more with us than there are with them. And my prayer is that today when you come up to receive communion, you will ask God with boldness, Lord, would you open my eyes? 
that I might see a different reality. Remind me that you are with me. You are the God of angel armies. And this problem in front of me, it ain't nothing but a thing. And the second prayer challenge is this. I believe that the Lord is already doing this in our midst, and I want to just pray for more. I, I believe the Lord wants to raise up Elisha prayer warriors who will learn to pray with the power and the authority that God wants to give them. And so today, if, if you're feeling uh, a leading or a, a burden to, yes, Lord, I want to learn to pray like Elisha, would you come and be bold today as you receive communion? And would you come to the altar and ask, Lord, teach me how to pray like my Elisha. So I just want to begin this morning with prayer and ask uh, Reverend Brother Samuel to come up and lead the table. So let's just pray and begin to focus in on this. King Jesus, I pray that you would raise up Elisha prayer warriors. That you would give us seen prayer. We will pray with the power and the authority in alignment with your will here in this place and to the nations. And Jesus, I pray for anyone in the sound of my voice who is overwhelmed with fear and anxiety because of some problems against them. Lord Jesus, would you help them to see? Would you have a breakthrough moment for them today where they will begin to see the reality that you are greater and that there is more with us than there is with them? So Jesus, come and have your way in this place. Come and set the table for us now. In Jesus' name, amen.